Hello and welcome to another Quarian stream. I am your host, Joe Magician, and today we'll be taking a little bit easier than usual. It's kind of hanging back, having a good time. I don't really have any, um, I don't have an outline this time. It's literally one word at this point. It just says lol. Normally I have like nine pages of notes while I'm doing these. Um, I don't have two hours of material to essentially do an internet lecture on some weird arcane topic within a song of ice and fire. <laughs> Instead, I thought uh, this could be more of a uh, Q&A sort of laid back talking about my latest video session. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, the latest video is the true identity of the tattered prince. I solved the mystery, the mystery that maybe no one was asking, but I solved it anyway. Uh, you all did watch that, right? Right. You've already watched it. Okay, let's let's see some hands in the chat. How many of you have watched the video yet? Press one if you've watched it. Two, no, the twos might get banned. Might, maybe. I'm not saying definitely, but we'll see how many twos show up in that chat. <laughs> okay, I'm seeing some yeses. Okay, all right, you guys are off the hook. Some of you. <laughs> Silence of the chat. Good, good, good. That's what I like to say. Uh, but if not, uh, there'll be a link in the description of this video. And if future Matt is good and um, remembers to, if you're watching us on replay somewhere around here, there'll be a little, a little icon with an eye on it. They'll have a link back to it. <laughs> All right. No twos. Good. Good. Uh, so if you miss it, you can go back and watch it. Or if you're listening on the podcast replay, which by the way, this, these do go up on a podcast. My podcast feed, uh, the wit and wisdom of Joe magician link should be in the description of this too, but essentially I just rip all the video off, put it up on the podcast feed. So if you don't have two hours to sit around watching a video, well, you can listen to the podcast. What if you watched half says Liat half muted, you can only say half as much stuff as you normally would. So whatever you type, stop halfway. That's what you have to do. <laughs> uh, but also we'll be talking today about. Um, my two other videos in the Windblown series, how Brienne became uh, pretty and Sandor the Corpse Killer. They're all part of examining the SOC uh, sellsword company known as the Windblown, as, as I discovered in this latest video, as the Kingswood Brotherhood Reborn under their leader, Sir Jamie Lannister. But I've also gone into a lot of their role in the mirror, and he's not into Winds of Winter. And just like researching these videos, I've had to <laughs> read all the chapters they appear in multiple, multiple times. Uh, so let's have that at scoundrels. Let's talk some windblown. Let's talk some Miranese knot. Oh man, this thing keeps casting a shadow on my face. Okay. Let me see if I can angle my mic a little bit better. There we go. Still pointing at my face. No shadow. Cool. <laughs> uh, before we get to that, just, you know, wait a second on the Q and A and the questions and stuff like that. Uh, get the promo stuff done. Get it out of the way. So as usual, um, 150 likes. Put on my old wizard hat, which is behind me in the shadows. Actually, it's on the floor. It fell off my uh, my fan. Uh, 175 likes. I'll put on my uh, my very special Gurm turtle hat. Look at that shining turtle. The Estermont green turtle. I'll throw that one on. And 200 likes. Well, I don't have a script to read this time, but I do have... I do have a new threadless shop open. So if this stream gets to 200 likes, I will give somebody a shirt from the new Joe Magician shirt store. That's what we'll do. If we get to 200, slam that like button. 
Uh, I also wanted to thank, there's also been a rash of new patrons uh, that came in. So I wanted to say uh, thank you to all of you guys for signing up. There's also been one returning one, um, returning patron, June uh, Healer of the Lesser Poxes has made a return to the Joe Magician Patreon. So thank you, June. Oh, Steven's already ordered two. Well, you'll get another one, man. That's how it's going to work. Um, so I just want to go through the list here. So we have uh, Maester Stephanie N, Acolyte Donald S, Maester Andrew L, Novice Kristen L, Maester um, Niato, I think that's it, uh, Maester Joanne E, Maester David H, Maester Stephanie S, Maester Miss Loaf, Maester Kevin, uh, I believe this was Acolyte Raiders of the Grey Waste, who I accidentally doxed last time. Sorry about that one, buddy. Um, Maester Kristen C, Archmaester Jared W, Maester Mackenzie S, and Archmaester Michelle C. Thank you guys all for uh, signing up for the Patreon. It's my last stream. It's been uh, been quite a lot. So that's that's felt pretty good. And as I just mentioned, um, oh, I also this is also for all you guys that are patrons right now um, that were patrons as of Friday when the th when the Threadless Shop went up. If you want to have it logged into Patreon, go do it. There's going to be a message waiting for you in your inbox with a gift certificate to the Threadless Shop for you guys to get a free T-shirt. Um, also, free shipping until there's three. There's free shipping until January 31st. So you, if you just buy a basic shirt, I think you'd only have to pay taxes, local taxes. So you basically get a free one. Uh, so yeah, go check your patron uh, messages inboxes if you have it muted or whatever. I get a lot of patron messages too. I'm signed up to a lot of people, so. Go in there, grab your thing, and you can just you can go buy yourself a free shirt from Threadless. Speaking of, let's go ahead and show this off. As I was talking about, um, Threadless is a merchandise store uh, with you can upload custom patterns and whatever to it. Uh, and I have uploaded a few things myself, and it was open as of Friday. So let me see if this works. Does it? It does. It works. <laughs> Uh, so these are the this is the patron. I mean, the Threadless shop as it currently looks. I'll be adding more things over time. Uh, you can see on the left, we got the spooky magician tree, the uh, recently retired um, logo for this channel. The one that replaced it, the magician logo, all this by San Rixian in the chat, by the way. Um, that one you can put uh, then next to it. We just have the hat isolated over time. I'm going to add more of these and add different colors of them. Um, they also work really well as patterns for like um, for rugs and blankets and that kind of thing. So I'm thinking that's what I'm going to do with those. And then, of course, the crown jewel, the crown jewel of the magician collection. That is the ass waffle, the mighty, mighty ass waffle. Um, that is the correct way to say ass waffle, ass waffle, ass waffle. So you have the peach as the ass, the waffle as the waffle. <laughs> A lot of people have picked up that one already, including me. I got a blanket on the way. It's going to be amazing. Um, I'm also working on some leggings. There, <laughs> I can't believe this. There have been requests that I make uh, leggings using the ass waffle design with the peach and the waffle and eats butt cheek. So I'm going to be working on that one. See if I can get it to work. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, threadless. I mean, Joe magician .threadless.com. You want to check it out uh you can see there's free shipping on orders over 45 dollars and patrons obviously have a free shirt so you can use any of those designs buy a basic shirt and it's yours all right yes the peach waffle 
And we tell Threadless that it stands for ass. I'm, I'm working on them. The leggings patterns hard. The other ones, you just kind of upload them and they they just kind of work. But with the leggings one, they give you the cutout and you have to uh, I have to play with it. I have to make sure it works, but I'll get there. I will get there. I'll make it work. There was some fun with trying to get everything work on a Friday. Uh, I was also thinking about um, turning on memberships for YouTube. It's essentially the same thing as Patreon. Um, it's just like a monthly thing, but YouTube takes a bigger chunk of it. I think they take 40% and Patreon takes like a fee or something like that. I don't know if it's worth it, but I was thinking about turning it on. I was going to look into it more. Um, just something to think about if, um, if for some reason, I don't know, it would probably be the same thing as Patreon, where it'd be like, I would let people see things early. I don't think there'd be any extra benefits, but I thought about turning I thought about turning it on. So I figured I would let you all know that that's a possibility. It doesn't really change much. It's just like another way to, um, show support for the, for me and the channel. And of course the next video coming up, I've already like half written in my head. So this should not take quite as long as, um, Tatter Prince wanted to come out. I'll be talking about what Stoneheart's plan is in the Winds of Winter. I sort of touched on it with um, Michelle Jaworski in a stream month or two ago talking about Stoneheart, but I wanted to like really dig into it, show the evidence, make a whole case, do the, all, all the music and visuals and stuff, and just make like have a, have a good video out of it. Um, yes, that's true, Mallory. Um, if I turn on memberships, I could also turn on custom icons um, and stickers, I think. So instead of the um, the emojis you have now, there would be Joe Magician custom ones that only members could use. I could do something like that. Um, something to think about. More, uh, <laughs> more graphic design for me and Mallory to teach me to do, but I, it'd be something. So I think that's all the promo out of the way. That's what's coming up. That's what's going on now. Um, again, patrons, make sure to check your message inbox. I I think those expire in a month. I'll have to check again, but I am, I am almost certain that you have to, uh, you should jump on those, especially if you want to get the free shipping. Hey, Renly's peach. Oh good. The basketball game is over. Phew. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> so let's get this, uh, let's get this windblown five year gap. Miri's not, let's get this all going. Let's do all the, um, that's some Q and A's. I got a bunch of questions about the, about the true identity of the tattered prince here from Reddit, YouTube, patrons, and Twitter. But whatever you want, just this is the one time you can at me, bro. You can at me. <laughs> Anything you guys wanted to wanted to say or didn't or and whatnot. Uh, so the first one that I had from where is it? It was actually from the patron Slack, uh, Guilty Undertaker, who's here right now. Uh, they made they asked. So between Pretty Maris equaling the Dark Brienne, Kago equaling Dark Sandor, and Tatters himself equaling Dark Jamie, can we be certain the Windblown didn't enter Westeros from a grim dark AU alternate universe? Well, okay. My point is, I'm pretty sure Westeros is the grim dark AU. Like, no good things happen in Westeros. Everything sucks. But, you know, the, the crazy thing is that that's not actually that far off from George's other writing. Um, if I think it's, oh God, what's it called? It's in dream songs. Hang on a second. Let me look this up. There's one basically that is this. Let me get the, uh, the road less traveled. That's right. Road less traveled is a story about George where he essentially was imagining his life. If he had gone to Vietnam instead of being a conscientious objector, 
And it's essentially this, where it's like the grimdark version of himself as a character he named Jeff. Wait a second. Jeff Germ, Brendan Beefish. Oh my God, it's confirmed. I knew it. I knew it. Jeff is Germ. Let nobody is tell you different. He totally is. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that story is basically like the dark alternate universe version of this character named Jeff comes from his own dimension, sort of, to contact his self that didn't go to Vietnam. And they it ends up being it starts. It's framed as a horror story, but um, it ends up being more of like a personal exploration of uh, anti-war ideas. Uh, the kind of the forks in the road of your own life. So guilty undertaker, you're not that far off. If you're imagining that George may have, um, may have that kind of idea here for the wind blown. Cause yeah, these are, these are not just five year gap versions. These are like five year gap versions. These characters that have been tortured and broken and there's almost nothing left of them. <laughs> like comparing Bran of Tarth to pretty Maris. That is that is a rough journey for that young woman, a real rough journey to become the the company torturer. I guess she is of the windblown. Um, same for uh, Kago Korskiller. If you're imagining him as a future version of Sandor, it's like if Sandor like decided to just become Gregor. That's a horrible future for Sandor. So I'm not sure if this was a joke question, but it has a real answer. And it's like, absolutely, maybe that's what George is imagining. That there's like this future version of his characters that he sent like through the dimensions to to um to be the wind blown. Very, very possible. That is the kind of shit he does. <laughs> that's the kind of shit he likes. Actually, that's also in Unsound Variations, the one about chess. Um that basically happens there too, where it was like a revenge plot kind of thing. So yeah. There you go, guilty undertaker. You correctly identified that George loves alternate uh, universe versions of characters meeting each other, including himself, which he's and Jeff, a.k.a. Brennan Beefish. Now I'm really suspicious of that story. <laughs> Wait, and also. The version of him went to war and Jeff went to war. He's a war hero. <gasps> he confirmed. Holy shit. We got there, guys. I can't wait to tell Jeff about this realization. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be real happy about it. Um, Eric R, do you regret not calling this one the Prince that was the Prince video that was promised? I was actually thinking a lot about what to title it because on one hand, if I put Jamie himself in the thumbnail and in the name, a lot more people know who Jamie Lannister is rather than the Tattered Prince. Like He's a fairly minor character in the last two books, A Song of Ice and Fire, that did not make it into Game of Thrones. The... Uh, the show. So I was kind of torn about what to do about that one, how much. And I also framed it in the video itself that it's like supposed to be this reveal about a third way through. It's like, oh, it's Jamie. Oh, my God. Mind blown. But. It would kind of ruin it if I said it right, right from the jump that it was Jamie. I thought about putting it in the intro and just kind of skipping parts of it. That's actually what um, that was something that Eliana talked to me about. She thought. Maybe I should drop instead of dropping a third way through, put it into the intro. And then that way I could put Jamie in the thumbnail in the title. But I decided to go this way. I like <laughs> I like putting reveals in my videos, but it sometimes means that 
it's not as good of um, advertising for itself. But I could have called it the, pr- <laughs> the video that was promised. Well, people have been waiting what like the for the prince that was promised like several thousand years. That's how long people are waiting for this video. So I mean, like that checks out right there. Uh, burn myself. Uh, yeah, that's true. Guilty Undertaker. Every author who writes for long enough will eventually write self-insert. Most of his stories, um, especially the ones in Dream Songs, quite a lot of the protagonists are actually him. Um, there's a there's a particularly grim one. Oh, weird. That video, that comment got held back for the peach icon. YouTube knows. YouTube knows. Uh, portraits of his children, where an author essentially meets the um, his characters come to life, and it's unclear if they're real or if it's like his imagination. But essentially, he has to. Um, what's the right word? He has to confront the fact that these characters that he made up in his brain, like if there were real people, what he's put them through is like horrifically awful. And it's hard not to see that as George thinking about a lot of his stories are horror stories or very, very awful things happen to the characters. And if they were real, they would hate him. (laughs) That's kind of what portraits of the, of my, of uh, his mine or his children is. Um, But yeah, somebody type the peach emoji into chat. I want to see not a mod. I want to see if anybody else type the peach emoji. I want to see if it, if it uh, flags it, my channel holds things back for all kinds of insane reasons. What do you mean, Aaron? What am I holding back? Oh, 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 oh the filters. Yeah, I have a lot of uh, word filters on so that people go away and they don't get to say the awful things they want to say. Um, Isabel Lamego says, do you think the main characters you connected with the windblown doppelgangers will have a similar fate where they diverge even more? So that's a good question because um. I mentioned during this, and I'm probably going to make a video about this too, is the the pitch letter version of Jamie. I just sort of briefly went over it, but in that pitch letter, Jamie ends up being like the main villain of the series. He ends up killing his way to the Iron Throne. He ends up king of Westeros. He ends up being sort of like the endgame human villain, which kind of seems like Cersei's gotten that role now. Um, I think it's one of those things that George so often changes the things about his characters that it's hard to say that like will Jamie and Brienne and Sandor and like the other characters that were in the Brotherhood Without Banners or the Riverlands is kind of like a drift. Will they be cut loose by the end of the story and like be on their own? Well, the show kind of gave us that Jamie um, for at least a little bit cut himself loose from Cersei, but ended up coming back. Um, Brienne ended up, God, what did she end up doing? Did she end up in, she stayed in Winterfell, right? I don't know. I, I think the question for will Jamie's future be the same as the tattered prince comes down to how strongly do you think book Jamie feels about book Cersei? Okay. So I don't know what that was held back for. You guys are just slamming peaches. Um, oh, you're buying the shirt. All right. Uh, the link, by the way, is um, at the top of the chat. I pinned some links and stuff like that. So if you want to go to the threadless shop, it's the links right there for you. Make it nice and easy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think Brienne definitely has the kind of uh, journey. Oh, Brienne ended up in the Kingsguard. She was Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. I am such an idiot. I am an idiot. How did I forget that? How did I forget that? I did a whole stream about it with Shakes. And like that was what we talked about. Good God, I'm an idiot. Um, so. I would guess not. Um, maybe Jamie, but it seems like Brienne with all of her connections to Dunk and 
just like the king's guardness of her lineage and all the things about it are probably going to pay off that she will end up in in the king's guard for King Bran, um, or at least some kind of king's guard, like maybe maybe a queen's guard for Sansa or something like that. But um, the fate of Jamie is curious because there is a line from the books, I believe that um, that Cersei believes that she and Jamie came into the world together and they will leave together, which kind of hints that, that they will die by the end. So probably not, but that's also part of the reason that maybe George wrote the windblown this way is because he kind of has already hinted at where these characters are going, but he's such a creative guy and he loves thinking about, well, what if I do this or what if I do that? Or what if I split them here and they go off this way? He doesn't end up writing them like as the main topic, but he ends up sort of, inserting them as these weird other little characters that's a, that's actually a large problem with a dance with dragons and a feast for crows and what people call the narrative bloat or him going wide with uh with his narrative it's that he has all these great ideas but he knows he can't use them so he like invents characters that are similar in order to have them played out you know what i mean hey morally you just got a shirt oh that's cool um it is weird i can see all your names when you do this I don't like that part. I wish they hit it from me. Oh, uh, PayPal donation here from, I already got Danny McKay. Thank you, Danny for the, uh, for the five bucks. Very generous of you. Uh, let me grab the message here, uh, from Hussein a, they gave $10 on, on PayPal. Thank you, Hussein. I uh, love your streams, man. Keep up the great work. I was wondering what is the technological level the world of ice and fire is at do they have gunpowder are they nearing a renaissance sort of thing so what is the technology level of westeros westeros itself is pretty low uh the closest to developing into what we would consider a modern society is bravos they have um well bravos and maybe some of the valyrian daughters the the thing that's strange about what about um well germ calls it earth but uh germs fantasy world we're talking about here is that he has sort of had technology paused in the way we think about it for quite a long time and there's a few reasons for that one reason is that obviously there's the long winters the years long winters that kills a lot of people and that kills a lot of progress dead because like four or five years in winter that's people are going to starve to death quite a lot of people and so that makes it really hard for um for sort of the what's the right word for it the the thinker class to essentially emerge there's there's obviously some in the maesters and it's where they tend to congregate but there's there needs to be um economics and advancements particularly in farming for their for there allowed to be more people who don't have to be devoted to agriculture most of the people in westeros are devoted to agriculture so um, there's actually one thing that happened out of the end of, I think it was the black death where at the end of it, it had uprooted society so much. Um, and there were so many technological innovations that came out of the end of it that they were able to jump forwards and go right to having a, a merchant, uh, merchant class and a, um, kind of a thought class, people that did not have to work all day in the fields to keep themselves going. So that hasn't really happened in Westeros. And the other problem is magic exists. So why would you invent technology when there's literally magic? That makes it uh, kind of hard. I think if you look at the castle structures, George has been alluding to that they're getting closer and closer, like from masonry and um, 
they have, I think they have windmills somewhere. Don't quote me on that one. But you know, the big chain across King's Landing and advancements being made in a post-magic world are going to have technology. But as long as the magic exists, that'll be the dominant force. And it's kind of what you saw in Lord of the Rings, where like for technology for Middle Earth was paused for thousands and thousands of years. Because again, why would you invent stuff like made of gears and moving towards our modern technology where you can just make shit happen by with, with magic stuff. Um, and that's sort of like at the, I think Lord of the Rings is the end of the third age. The fourth age is supposed to be our modern world where, um, the humans take over and they start going towards modern technology. So yeah, Westeros is kind of stuck in a, um, I don't know the exact time frame, but it's definitely stuck in the, um, the castles and sword and board era long, but they don't have gunpowder. Um, again, and also why would you use gunpowder when you had fire mages? Fire mages can do the same thing. Well, I just talked for a little bit there. All right. <laughs> Let me see what I missed uh, while I was talking. Yeah, th- that's true. See, Bob, the Lord ruler does halt progress. That is true. Um, they also, yeah, they don't want their societies to go too far. There's actually a thing in the books that um, different characters try to essentially like, lobby their lords to allow them to advance their their town and their city to start to like make money and lords say no because they don't want them to they like they like things the way they are they don't want uh, a small town making more money than them um uh sarah sasuke says western was paused for quite a bit in a way though right uh the romans had more advanced technology it came the same thing versus dark ages in some ways i mean it, it the dark ages is a little bit overblown it's not like society collapsed in the dark ages. It was just like things splintered into smaller parts rather than, um, rather than being like the big glory of the Roman empire. Um, and that, although it is true that, um, technology advances in Western Europe during the quote, unquote dark ages fell behind the uh, Muslim world. They were doing Muslim world was doing great during that time. They were doing awesome. <laughs> um, Oh, thank you, uh, Lisa Williams. You got to the Jamie part and connection. Your mind was blown. Perfect. That's what I was hoping for. I'm glad that I'm glad that worked. I also threw in. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed. I threw in some red herrings as I was making the video. So I, I teased Mance for a little bit. I was like, oh, what if it's Mance Raider and his scarf and smoke cloak that he takes off? And I was like, ah, I got you guys. Oh, wait a second. Where did my chat just go? Um, I do have a super chat here from Cyclops is better than Wolverine, uh, $2 from them. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. How the Northern mountain clans castles look. I don't think they have castles. Um, I don't think that's a thing for them. Okay. So I lost my chat. How do I get it back? There it is. Nope. No, that's not it. I think I may have messed things up. Hang on a second. Okay. So let me go into this. Click on this. Go back into this. Where's my chat? There it is. Live chat. There we go. Um, oh, that was scary. I lost you guys there for a minute. I didn't know what to do. It was that was that was just the worst. But we're back. I got it. Um, yeah, guilty undertaking breaking good uh, historical points about the the horribleness of the Black Death leading to Renaissance thinkers and people sort of really questioning their lives and being like, maybe we should make things slightly better for ourselves considering our society just collapsed like in large part around us. Uh, yeah, a good call from, um, hedgehogs and cats are life. Only a small percentage of maesters spend enough time working on a specific issue to become a master 
and expand it definitely. And a lot of their pursuits are not the kind of things that are opening society in general. Um, a lot of the advancements that came from our, from our real world were, um, people from that had spare time who were intelligent, but then, um, they had like, they actually had spare time to work on things to improve their lives in small ways rather than, um, dudes in <laughs> dudes in the Citadel, uh, taco guy, 1988, uh, $5 super chat. Where is your glasses? Good question. Thank you for the super chat. Um, so I have two lights sitting right here that I bought um, in order to improve the stream. But when I wear them, the lights um, reflect off. Actually, you can see it right here. They reflect very badly off my glasses, so you can't even see my eyes. Um, so I made the decision a few weeks ago that I've been just wearing my contacts, seeing how that went and said, I think you're the first one to comment on it. Way to go, taco guy. Uh, $25 super chat for Maura Lee. Uh, thank you very much, Maura. Appreciate it. Uh, just a show of love and appreciation for the great content. That's, that's what I like to see. That's great stuff. Um, Kyle Wilson, what is your personal opinion on the ETA of Winds of Winter? And will you ever consider creating content on the King Killer Chron Chronicles by Pat Rothfuss? So where's the Winds of Winter? Um, Winds of Winter has been a year away for 10 years, I think. I mean, it's just, it's kind of up to George. It's when it's when he feels comfortable essentially saying it's done because it's it could have been done for many years now. Um, he just keeps going back and rewriting and making things agree better and improving his story. But it'll be done when he thinks it's done. It's he has written several books worth at this point of um, discarded chapters and that kind of thing. So open this year. Um, but you never know. Although, <laughs> uh, this is kind of funny. Um, people in the patron Slack will know that I have, uh, I'm going to be making a video probably maybe after the cat one where I'll be talking about the winds of winter. It'll be great. You guys are going to have to wait and see on that one. It's going to be good. Um, would I consider doing content on King killer Chronicles by Pat Rothfuss if doors of stone ever comes out? Um, it's, yeah. The other problem with doing King Curler Chronicles, maybe when the show comes out, is that uh, Kavoth or Kavoth, how you pronounce his name, is really, really, really annoying. And he's a hard read. And there's also a weird divergence in the second book where it just kind of goes into porn for a while, like just straight up written porn. And it's I don't know. I, I want to see it's it's all set up. It's two books of set up. I want to see where it's going uh, before I like covered it. But, you know, this is what I thought. That's what I think about. It. I enjoyed reading them, but it's got to, there's got to be something there. Oh, uh, subscriptions from the rogue prince and Aaron. Uh, Hey, I don't know if those happen right now or if OBS just decide to alert me about it. It's a little weird. Um, yeah, I really hope for wins and winner this year. That'd be nice. That would be, that'd be super good. You're brewing chai tea right now, says, uh, Sarah. All right. Oh, I have to finish mine. Forgot about it. You know, their larges are not very large. That's what I say about Starbucks. <laughs> um, Carl Garsnark says, I'll never start an unfinished series again. I mean, I started The Expanse. The Expanse is unfinished, but it, it depends on the author. Uh, Rothfuss has shown little to no progress in Doors of Stone. Um, his other, his fellow authors are essentially roasting him all the time about it at this point and not in like, a ribbing way like they do Gurham that they think like he's actually just given up on the project. So 
but like, you know, expanse is still going on. Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank are making good progress. They have the TV show is great. So that would be an unfinished series. I would consider picking up. Yeah. Aaron, uh, Emmett has the same problem. The lights reflection, the light reflection doesn't work very well. Um, I do have light diffusers, uh, George Spigot, but um, they still reflect weird because of the geometry of the room I'm in. So if I could move them to where they're supposed to be, then they wouldn't reflect and you wouldn't see anything. But that's just kind of how it goes. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's grab a question we had from patrons. Um, Eric Florig on Patreon today. He asked. Has doing this video given you any more thoughts as to what is going to happen with Archibald and Garrus in their mission with the Tired Prince? Yes, it has. Great question, Eric. <laughs> the Tired Prince itself. Um, after I take some bunch of questions about at Rothfuss and all that other kind of stuff. But what's going to happen with Arch and Drink and their mission with the Tired Prince? So obviously their mission with uh, Quentin went terrible. Quentin's dead. Quentin got roasted alive. Um, so... They're in a bit of a conundrum because their deal with the Tattered Prince is off. They're on their own. If they desert the Tattered Prince, um, they know where there's nowhere really to go in Marine at this point. I mean, there's um, the siege coming in from the slavers. You have Victorian Greyjoy and the Iron Fleet coming in from the other side. There's been there's talk that a Dothraki horde is going to show up and destroy everything. And then you actually have Marine itself, which isn't letting anybody in and Barristan's. I mean, I think they're under lock and key with Barristan. So yeah, there's, there's not a lot of good things going for um, Garrison Archibald. The only way things are going to go good for them is if Marine, AKA Danny's faction wins. In that case, they could maybe get some mercy from, um, from Barristan or Daenerys for their role in the, um, dragon tamer plot which who knows if she will but like the slavers if they take marine back arch and drink are screwed um, if the ironborn end up taking marine again i would say arch and drink are screwed so the the only way they continue being relevant is if um danny's side wins and then after that uh some have i think we talked about this maybe with uh Let's see here with uh, Tony Teflon during the Ario Hota thing, or maybe in Girls Gone Canon when they were talking about Ario. But um, the news of how Prince Duran's going to learn that Quentin is dead and how he died is going to be like incredibly important for his reaction to Daenerys when she lands. If he learns that Daenerys, um, that her dragons killed Quentin in the wrong way, it could very well push him towards supporting Aegon. Or uh, young Griff rather than her. And the one thing that Garrison Drink could do for the Dornish is actually telling Duran the truth and tell them that uh, Daenerys had no part of it. Quentin um, got himself killed trying to ride a dragon that was never going to work. And maybe that would get them to come back, the Dornish to come back from supporting young Griff. But that would be like the way it would go if you wanted the story to progress nicely for the Dornish. George doesn't want things to progress nicely for anybody. So I, that would be my bet that Arch and Drink will show up back in Westeros in Dorne, but too late with the correct information. Because that would, um, that would increase the drama for the Dornish plot and particularly for Prince Duran. That's, that's my thoughts for what will happen. Um, they have to not get capped by the Tattered Prince, though, because if they desert again... 
the Tire Prince, if he survives um, the Siege of Marine, is definitely going to kill them. So there's a narrow path for Arch and Drink to even escape Marine. But um, that would be my guess. They'll show up back in Dorne just after they've already thrown in for young Griff, essentially, and with the correct information about what happened. So that would be a bummer, as they would say. <laughs> Um, last of the Lapras, we do know that Danny's side will eventually win, right? There's no point in her being a main character. Otherwise, well, Danny can survive and continue her story and not keep Marine. Those two things don't have to happen at the same time. I mean, she has dragons. They can leave. They can leave Marine. Um, it looks like she will at some point, essentially abandoning them back to the slavers unless they do what HBO did with the crazy Dario in charge plot. I mean, it'll probably be Skaha's to be honest. Um, but yeah, it will, um, you know, Danny can continue on her plot and it doesn't mean that she has to necessarily win or Marine be a fight that she wins for her story as constructed to continue. I mean, she probably will, but not necessarily. Um, I mean, if you, uh, if you want to look for a city burning in Danny's future, before King's Landing, Marine has all the hallmarks of a place that's about to go up in dragon flame. There's literally two dragons on the loose already. Um, I don't know. I don't think it would take much. But yeah. Oh, I got a follow on Twitch. Oh, that's connected. That's right. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, poor Duran. He's planned so long and everything has to go perfect and it's not going to. It's going to suck for him. And for his kids and for the people of Dorne. Yeah. I, I agree, uh, Catherine, that Duran will support young Griff largely out of hearing that um, probably that Quentin was killed by Daenerys and her dragons, not realizing the truth. Only, like I said, only to have Archon Drake show up and be like, that's not what happened. No, it was Quentin's fault. He, he basically killed himself. Yeah. It will just only add to the tragedy of the downfall of Duran. Uh, yeah, Rothfuss is a, is a, is a, he's a, he is a talented author, but, um, uh, I want to see the next book before I really like even consider doing anything with it. I mean, the show is on hold, so this is how it goes. Uh, C Bob says, have I read the Stormlight Archive? I've read the first book and I wasn't a big fan. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there was also, uh, Nessie, the questing beast. I'm not sure if she's in the chat today. But she was asking me on the patron slack after the video went live. She saw it early because she's an Archmaster, I think um, she wanted to, she wanted to pitch another five year gap character to me. And this was one that I had not thought about, but she started making a case for. So um, I don't I'm just going to talk it through now. Uh, see what you guys think. She was curious if the uh, the widow of the waterfront, I believe she's in Marine. No, she's in uh, Volantis. Yeah, the Widow of the Waterfront, if she's meant to be um, Olena Tyrell, but like transposing the Essos, just like the how I'm suggesting that like the Tyre Prince is Jamie transposing the Essos and that kind of thing. And it's an interesting idea because the Widow of the Waterfront, if you read her lines and the way she control things and um, even like her bodyguards and stuff like that does have certain characteristics in um, in common with Olena Tyrell. Uh, the tough old lady idea um, who uses not real power, like, well, not like she's not in charge of anything, but she does have power within Volantis. 
And she's a very important person, kind of like Olena. Like she's not in charge of House Tyrell. She's not in charge of the Reach, but she is because of the just the way the politics work out. So um, she Nessie brought up some other points, too. And it was like and she was trying to imagine how would Olena end up like that, though? And I think it would be like if George was planning during the five year gap to have Cersei essentially dispatch of the um, dispatch with the Tyrells. Something that George would probably want to put on the page, but it would be, it would be a plot that he would have to um, think about how that would go. Because Cersei obviously has so much animosity towards them. And if she's staying in power for five years, then something has to happen to the, um, the Tyrells. I thought it was, um, I thought it was an interesting point. Um, I'm sure Nessie will develop it more and think about where it goes. But there's a lot of these kind of characters that show up in the Winds of Winter, particularly in Essos. Like I've highlighted the Windblown themselves. Because that's where it started with uh, Pretty Maris and then Kago and then uh, obviously the Tire Prince. But there's a lot more characters that are probably five year gap refugees, if you want to call them. Like um, when he was just like trying to play it out in his head, he's just like, okay, so what would happen to this person if I just left them alone for five years? That kind of thing. I think I think OBS is going weird. I'm not sure why it's showing me people subscribing to that stuff right now. Um, oh, I forgot about, oh, hang on. I want to, I want to put something in chat. One second. One second. Yeah. Isabel, that's one of the problems George ran into. He's like, how could Cersei stay in power for five years? She's so off the rails sometimes. Like how could it possibly work? Um, I don't know if, okay. So what I want to talk about real quickly is, um, I meant to mention this and totally forgot along with the tower Prince video. I put in a, um, I'm doing a giveaway. For a 2021 a Song of Ice and Calendar, Song of Ice and Fire calendar signed by Germ and a faceless coin on Gleam. Uh, I'm just gonna put that in the chat. If you guys missed it, I wasn't able to put it in the corner in the video, which was a bummer. But you can go to the link there, and there's a few things you can do. Um, you just have to be 18 or older and live in the US, Canada, or Europe, basically. And then you can enter. Um, and then there's a few other things you can do down the line if you want to or if you want to earn more entries. To actually, I have them right here. Hang on a second. Ugh. I still have them sitting in their box that I got from Germ. Um, so let's see here. So we have a faceless man coin. Actually, you can't really see it too well now. The picture's better on the video. I got that right there. And they just been sitting here, still in their packaging. And the 2021 calendar um, shrink wrapped after Gurm signed it. Oh, there it is. There's Gurm's signature right there. So if you want to enter the con, or it's actually just a giveaway. You don't have to do anything. Uh, go to that link I posted in chat and you can enter to win. Uh, it's going to run for about another a little bit over a little bit under a month right now. So, yeah. I've got the other, I've got another giveaway planned for further down the line. Those are sitting right next to me too, but I'm going to wait on announcing those. <clears throat> but yeah, um, what was I talking about? Yeah, Cersei is a, is a big reason the five-year gap didn't work. He's just like, what the hell do I do with this, with this situation? It's untenable. But the idea of the widow of the waterfront being like him trying to work that through, it's like, well, she would probably make sure that Olena would lose power somehow and... um try and get rid of the Tyrells, like somebody like Olena wouldn't stop being a powerful, influential person just because 
she's not in the capital anymore, or even if Cersei like punished the Tyrells somehow, she would find a way to um, find a way to be continue to be relevant. So Widow of the Waterfront, I think that's that's probably a good call by Nessie that that may be what she is. That's what that character is. And there's, there's tons more like that. Um, I might do one in the future about Darkstar. He is of the night just to make Mallory happy. Kind of. It's, I think it's actually a good one. <laughs> it can make Mallory happy at one side and also be just a good idea of something to do. Oh, super or PayPal here from Erin uh, in the chat, our mistress of hammers. Uh, thank you for the thanks for the great new video. Do you think the windblown will survive the story? Well, the mercenary company ranks in SOS be pretty thin by the end of the series. Well, <laughs> yeah, things aren't going good for them, are they? Um, Danny does know that the windblown before she left, before she left for the Dothraki Sea, the windblown were trying to switch sides, or at least the uh, Westerosi part were. Uh, Maris did not get to meet with Danny herself, but she did get to meet with Barristan and make her case that the tattered prince was totally willing to abandon the slavers. Um, Danny's side if they were winning, which it looks like they're going to. Um, so the thing about the sellsor companies in Essos is that when a side is losing, they always switch sides, almost always, except for the Golden Company. That's part of the joke about the wind blown is that they change sides as the wind blows. They just one side's losing, they instantly hop to the other side. And that's what the second sons are doing with um with Brown Ben Plum. Um, there's also the company of the cat that's involved. And I think the long lances, all of them, basically, as soon as they're losing switch sides. So I would guess that the windblown will at least survive um, the battle of fire itself. So, but what about going forwards to the winds of winter? Um, I don't think they'll follow Danny to Westeros. That, that's not real unless they get paid a whole lot. If they were going to leave to go to Westeros already, they probably would have gone with the young Griffin, the golden company. Um, although there is the fact that Tyrion promised Brown Ben plum, a whole lot of gold in Westeros. So maybe he'll get going. Uh, it would be kind of interesting if the wind blown though, if they like me, if the doppelgangers meet up the real characters, like what would Jamie do if he interacted with the, with the tattered prince or pre Maris, if she met, um, Brienne, those would be super interesting to do. I imagine George would want to make that happen if he could. Um, but I imagine most of them will not make the jump to Westeros, um, especially because it looks like Danny might go out and just like destroy parts of Atlantis. That would create quite a power struggle within the other Valyrian daughters. Um, and everybody will need their, their swords then in order to win. Oh, super chat. Another one here from Morally. $10. Thank you very much, Mor. Uh, do you think Euron will end up with one of the dragons with the help of Dragonbinder? No, I don't, I don't think he's going to. I think, um, I don't think it's going to be Dragonbinder that will make Euron have a dragon if he does. Um, or at least, okay, so Victorian's obviously going to blow Dragonbinder when he gets to Marine, and he thinks it's going to make him, uh, be able to mount a dragon. Probably not. That's not going to work. Um, Euron obviously very much does want to have dragons, but his, his method of magic so far has really just been like, if he has any, it's, it's based around like, uh, like weird little psychic stuff. And that is heavily fueled by Shay of the evening. It would be interesting if Euron met Danny and gave her Shay of the evening again, she hasn't had it since the undying of Karth. 
Um, so maybe in that sense, Euron could use that to get advantage over Danny and get her to try and give him one of the dragons. But Euron, I think I talked about this with poor Quentin during a stream where we were talking about Euron himself. And Emmett had a really great way of saying that um, that Euron's destiny is to be a skid mark on the universe. Just like he's just going to die. It's going to be not heroic. He has all these grand dreams that are not going to come true. And it's just going to that's going to be the end end of Euron Greyjoy. He's going to try and get a dragon. But I mean, like we just saw Quentin try and it doesn't seem like Euron has much else he can really do other than dragon binder, which we don't even really know what it does. I mean, you'd have to. If it works, Victorian's going to get a dragon first. So I think at that point, Victorian would never give Euron back dragon binder. Oh, I uh, got some a got a super sticker from Stephanie Staggers. Oh, thank you for the little uh, little peach guy with the headband. Thank you very much. And from uh, Joanne Evans, five dollars. I want to hear your ideas about Wex and his role in the Northern Conspiracy. Okay, so uh, I think I talked about this with uh, Maester Mary and Clint of the Learned Hands podcast on the um, on the Wyman Manderly stream I did a while back. So Wex Pike is the I think he's the mute former squire of Theon Greyjoy, and he was apparently in the trees. And he he apparently he saw Bran and um, and Rickon and Asha and uh, Osha and Hodor essentially escape from Winterfell. So he knows they're alive. So apparently, Wek, apparently Wyman Manderly and Robeck Glover, I think, have been essentially using yes and no questions and having Wex point the things in order to try and get this information out of them. So what is his what is his role going forwards? The main one will probably be that he has some idea that uh, Rickon and Bran at least survived Winterfell, but where they went afterwards. But it seems that Wyman does has extracted somehow the information that Rickon is alive and on Skagos, which is why he's sending Davos out there. Other than that, it's um, Wex hasn't really had too much to do. Um, the The big information he has is just that Bran and Rickon are alive and I guess their directions they went, maybe he followed them for a little bit, but that, I think that's pretty much his role. Um, the information, that information now being dispersed by Wyman's because it seems now that Barbary Dustin is also aware that Bran and Rickon are alive. Um, people call it the grand Northern conspiracy, but it doesn't have to be grand for the fact that they want to upset Bruce Bolton and install Stark again. So Wex will be integral to that. Um, it's I don't know if he's going to meet up with Theon again. I mean, that might be it for Wex for in terms of what he's going to do in the story. That's been his like his big thing. He knows Theon and he knows Brandon Rickon are alive. Unless for some reason. Um, oh, he can write. Ah, OK. Unless for some reason it comes up that they need somebody to hang out with Theon and Wex is that guy. I, I don't I don't really know what else he's going to do. Um, but yeah. Good question, though. Um Wex is the secret targ. Wow. Right on time with that one. Uh, $5. Thank you so much. This is a down payment for your thoughts on wins and winner when it comes out. I'm going to have a lot of thoughts. Let me tell you. But yeah, I uh, appreciate that. Hopefully it comes out this year. Um, Brendan Beefish. Jeff is always out there trying to read the tea leaves on George and all those other kind of things. I'm hoping for this year that um, that good things happen. But you never know. 
Oh, thank you, JT Soul. Uh, can't stick around to watch, but want to drop in and leave a like and a comment. We'll watch this later. All right. I also saw I saw your Reddit post where you're talking about the Children of the Forest stream. Um, I did not interact, but I did read it. Being a mod, you see these kind of things. Uh, let's grab another uh, question from Patreon. Uh, Eric Foreg, he said, did the tattered prince murder all the other windblown founders? So this is I sort of when I was narrating the video, I sort of put an intonation on the fact that mysteriously only the tattered prince is the one to survive out of the founders of the windblown. So did he kill them all? <laughs> Um, he is a pretty brutal guy and he really likes people to know he's brutal and he's tricky. He calls himself a twisty rogue. Um, so would he kill the co-founders in order to take a bigger share? Well, he's already done that. He already took the bigger share. Um, he was talking about the Volantis where he took almost all the money. So did he, did he kill them? Maybe, uh, Probably, or at least put them in situations where they died. Uh, kind of like Euron when he positioned the rest of the um, the uh, the Ironborn to get killed in um, what is it in Balon's rebellion? Like so many people in front of Euron died during that rebellion. It worked out really good for him. Um, so that's probably what the Tired Prince did, but also probably just killed them. I mean, each founder that dies, the bigger his share gets. He's very wealthy at this point. He's very greedy. So I would guess that, yes, he did kill them. It also makes it um, not just for the money, but it also makes it so that the the windblown become less a organization of like that goes that decides on its contracts by votes. And it just ends up becoming just the tattered prince. And it's just it's just his company. He, they do what he wants. So, yeah, I would I would guess that's what's going on there. Oh, <laughs> so the case says check his cloak or the covers horse for any symbols related to the other founders. Maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe there's some of those, um, some of those strips are from his former friends. Uh, let me scroll up. Oh, actually, this is something, um, that I came up with that I didn't talk about during the video because it's kind of, it's really off the beaten path. But, um, Joe L says here, the true rogue prince. And that was actually, uh, part of, that was part of developing this is that I just happened to notice that the rogue prince, uh, Damon Targaryen, who will feature in hot, hot D, um, that he's extremely similar to the, uh, tattered prince himself. Um, and that was like one of those things where I was, I was going through just like working through it in my head. I'm like, he calls himself a, a roguish twisty prince. And it's like, there's only one other rogue prince in the story. Like, how can, why is George doing this? And, uh, this is something I talked out with, um, Jeff or, uh, or Brendan Beefish. But basically, I think that if you look at the timelines for when the characters were invented, the rogue prince, hang on a second. I'm going to see when this one came out. So the rogue prince came out in, was a novelette in the rogues anthology with George R. R. Martin and Gardner, uh, Dozois, rest in peace, Gardner, in 2014. And the Tattered Prince, he first shows up in uh, Dance with Dragons, I believe, which came out in 2011. So the first mention of Daemon Targaryen, the Rogue Prince, is 2014 in Rogues. The Rogue Prince, I mean, um, the Tattered Prince comes out in 2011 with Dance with Dragons. 
This is one of those things that gets really funny when you start talking about like history of the Targaryens and when they actually showed up. They often a lot of <laughs> a lot of these characters, uh, they have changed over time. And they came in a lot later than you think. But it seems to me that the rogue prince Daemon Targaryen is kind of an extension also of Jamie's uh, initial. What is it? Is pitch letter version of himself. The idea of this kind of roguish princess character who's super violent and also also beloved and um, dangerous and kind of trying to kill his way to the top. It seems there's there seems like there's a, sh- a through line going from pitch letter Jamie to the tattered prince, then to the rogue prince. Like it's I think it's also that the rogue prince, Damon Targaryen is also a version of Jamie that George never got to write because it's in this book that the Tyre Prince not only shows up, but he gets a lot of screen time. He gets a lot of development as a character. Uh, he also looks Valyrian. So um, I kind of thought that the Daemon Targaryen came out of this, this process where he's like, well, I still want to write a character like that, like Jamie used to be. And then he kind of got the taste for it with the tattered prince, but he still really likes it. Like he's mentioned in interviews that uh, writing Damon is really fun for him. He likes writing these, um, these, <laughs> I'm not sure if Damon's morally gray. He seems closer to morally black, but he really likes writing those kind of characters like Tyrion. Tyrion's another one of his famous characters who very often is morally horrific. Um, it's one of his favorite things to do. So it would make a lot of sense if writing the tattered prince got his appetite for that character. And then he uh, essentially just combined the two of them back, Jamie and the tattered prince, and you get the rogue prince, Damon Targaryen. I hope that makes sense. It's <laughs> I'm not sure if it does the way I just said it, but basically there's, there's so many similarities between those three characters that, and the timelines work that all of a sudden George is like, yeah, I really do want to write that guy. And then he did it. And then you get Damon Targaryen in the in Rogues coming out in 2014. And then he gets expanded quite a lot in Fire and Blood. Yeah, if, if you want to think about Damon as a character, you can probably just think of him as like early Jamie Lannister, but give him a dragon. And that's probably pretty close to what he's been that what, what he is like. Um, especially the way that Damon and Fire and Blood seemed on the verge of killing his way to the throne. The fact that he didn't actually kill Viserys when I was reading was something that was pretty surprising to me. I'm like, wait, Damon, this seems like what you should do. Why don't you send my the white worm to go get her, get him uh, before Viserys had kids. It would have been perfect because it seems like the sort of thing that uh pitch letter Jamie would do. Yes. Anti-hero. I'm, that's the right word. He really loves anti-heroes. Um, <laughs> Jade 0126 was Damon supposed to be handsome. I talked about this in my, um, in my video about Matt Smith being cast as Damon Targaryen. We're going a little bit off topic here, but it's kind of related since obviously Damon is tatters plus Jamie basically. But well, that's what I think. Is he supposed to be handsome? We don't really know. Um, the only pictures of Damon we have are not that particularly handsome. He gets to get described as it. Um, so I think it's one of those things where um, some of the artists in the fandom are so talented and they really they have a they have a habit for drawing Targaryen and Valyrian characters extraordinarily beautiful. That sort of with the lack of art that's available for Damon versus what's available in the fandom, the fandom version became the 
um, the accepted version without much really, um, without really much coming from George and encouraging that, that idea. <clears throat> Can't <laughs> Curtis Franks. Can we use these connections predictively? Oof, perhaps. I mean, the, I talked about this during the video where the tattered prince, what, what he did in his life before he became the, the head of the windblown is kind of similar to what game of Thrones did with Jamie, where it was a rejection of power. It was a rejection of his courtly life. Uh, but also obviously a rejection of Cersei at that point and went North to Winterfell in order to like do his own thing. Um, obviously George would write it totally different and he has his own book. Jamie is different than show Jamie, but it seems like those plot lines can come together in a weird way. So it could be, I mean, it could be at least for part of the arc, maybe not the end game part. Like, um, I was talking about this earlier that it seems that likely that Jamie and Cersei will die together, but in between there could very well be a tattered Prince version of his life that is uh, going to come. Uh, people are declaring their thirst for Matt Smith in the chat. I mean, he does. People do uh, thirst after Matt Smith. He just doesn't look like that guy from Vikings that everyone loves or Skarsgård. And that's sort of the idea that's been planted in people's heads. Yeah, this is kind of how it goes. Not a lot to do about it. But yeah, I think that makes it really funny. Next time you go back and read Fire and Blood and you and um, you read about Damon Targaryen, imagine him as Jamie or the Tattered Prince. And I think you'll get a lot more characterization out of what you read in that book. It's kind of like how um, I was talking about last week with the Children of the Forest and how the conflict in and seven times never kill men with the Jane she and I think the steel angels is what they're called. How that's so similar to probably what happened between the children of the forest and the first men or the Andals. That's probably a connection you can use in your head. Just like the same way that if you want to know what Aegon the fourth was like, just go back and read Robert Baratheon. They seem to be the same kind of character. Ah, crow food's daughter, the disputed lands has showed up and she's talking about cloaks of many colors. Of Summer Islander Prince, also something of a rogue who wears a cloak of many colors. Good catch. Um, and brings up the idea of Joseph and his may, uh, his coat of many colors. Actually, that was a point that came from Reddit. Someone else made that connection. They're like, what do you think about this? And George was raised Catholic. I imagine he probably does know who Joseph and his coat of many colors are. I don't know if that's the reference because honestly, I'm not that religious myself. So. Um, it would probably take somebody who was more into that, um, into Catholic Catholicism and the Bible itself to comment on that. Unfortunately, I cannot. That is just not something I know about. It'd be like asking me about, um, well, actually just anything I don't, I don't know that much about. I, I could make an educated guess based on the, the surface level of that, but that's really all I got. I did go to Catholic school. I did not pay attention. Uh, let's grab something here from Reddit. There are there quite a lot of I posted the um, the whole script on Reddit. So um, got a lot of comments that uh, that aligned with what I got on YouTube. Uh, one that was kind of funny was this. This happened during the premiere. And uh, one of the people that I was watching went over Reddit and made the same uh, comment. They said, uh, boil, mash them, stick them in a stew one way or another. The tattered prince is more than meets the eye. And. <laughs> I I hadn't noticed, but it is kind of funny that you remove one T and it goes from the tattered prince to the taters prince. I want the taters prince. That sounds like a great prince. Um, oh, the potato prince. 
that that's a character that should be written. Um, okay. Oh, by the way, did you guys catch the um, my little joke about the disputed lands in the video where I just quickly flashed to Amanda's channel? Caught her off guard. I was just reading. I was reading the script and I got to that part and I'm like, this isn't made. This isn't supposed to be a joke. What if I what if I make it a joke? <laughs> it's quickly flash your channel. Uh, that's where that came from. Um, uh, one of the uh, tall trees town on Reddit said, does that make a Denzo Dahan the five year gaps Thomas seven streams? And I, th- I think definitely so. D- Denzo Dahan is the other captain of the windblown uh, other than Kago and Maris, who doesn't really have a title, but she's still like the Tatter Prince's right hand man, woman, whatever. Uh, which is part of the reason I think that the theory works. But Denzo Dahan, he's a warrior bard, and quite a lot of people made the connection too. I initially had this in the script, but I cut it out for time. But yeah, I think Denzo Dahan, Tom of Seven, is probably um, very much an easy pull for another five year gap character where George is like, okay, so what happens to this guy? Because like the Brotherhood Without Banners, five years, they can't really last that long. The Kingswood Brotherhood didn't last that long. Like, what would happen to that? And Tomo Seven becoming someone like Denzo, I think, makes a ton of sense. Uh, I'm sure if you look through the rest of the roster, well, I did look through the rest of the ro- roster of the Windblown. Quite a lot of them probably match up. Like the, in particular, there was um, there's a particular character that stuck out to me, and I kind of spent like uh, a little bit of time trying to figure it out. It was a character named Lewis Lanster. Um, Lewis is a Westerosi origin character who's a very good archer with golden hair and the name Lannister. It sounds like if you just shorten Lannister, I was like, okay, is this maybe Lewis is another, um, a long last Lannister character that George didn't know what to do with. And I was thinking maybe Lancel because Lancel's story in, um, in a feast for crows, a dance with dragons is him getting married to gatehouse Amy and then becoming super religious and not really going through with the marriage. But like, what if he went another way? What if instead of doing that, he ended up becoming a um, becoming like joining the Brother Without Banners or joining a sellsword company or something like that? That would be an interesting idea for what ends up happening to Lancel Lannister with five years. I don't know if I don't remember if Lancel is a great archer. Maybe it's a different member of the Lannister family. But I was like, <laughs> that could be an easy pull of a character. Lewis Lannister, Lancel Lannister kind of sound like cognates. So could be. Oh, you guys are talking about the uh, the many colors thing. I'm glad the chat is knowledgeable on this when I am not. Way to go, chat. You guys are, are filling in the gaps that I don't have. Or the gaps that I have in my knowledge. I said that really weird. Uh, soul dies of malnutrition. Oh, my God. Um, let's see here. Got a few others. A very popular character that came up is quite a lot of people thought that I think this is a theory that's pre-existing in the fandom that maybe the Tyler Prince, instead of being like this alternate universe version of Jamie Lannister, what if he's instead Jerrion Lannister? Um, if you guys don't know, Jerrion is one of Tywin's brothers who went missing looking for bright roar in around 291 AC. He, he got a whole bunch of soldiers, got a whole bunch of ships and he went to Valyria to try and find the, their lost Valyrian steel sword, Bright Roar, and never returned. And a theory that, that has been going around for a while is like, what if Jerrion in his failure, instead of just disappearing or dying in Valyria or whatever happened to him, 
what if he became this character known as the tattered prince and the windblown is like is like the remnants of his soldiers since there's quite a lot of westerosi in the um in the windblown i i don't think so i don't think that's true um i think the problem with it is that while the tattered prince says that he can take off his cloak and just be anonymous uh he's not anonymous within the windblown he's not anonymous within the um the sellsword community and they formed the company in 270 21 years before Jarian went missing and when you read go back and read the tatter prince's lines uh, i think it's noted that he does have a pentashi accent that he looks valyrian uh, that he has the valyrian hair and Jarian only went missing like relatively recently so um also, if it was really Jarian, I don't really know why he would be, or Garian. I'm going to call him Jerry or Garian, whatever. However, George pronounces him as wrong. So that's the way you can go with that. Um, I, I don't really understand why that character, if he failed to get Bright Roar, would then all of a sudden have this big revenge plot for Pentos, like the, the Tatter Prince does. That's his whole thing. He says, you could have a dragon, Quentin, but in return, you have to give me Pentos. And that's the price that he also makes of Daenerys. And it's like, why what exactly is going on here why is he so angry at pentos if um if this is actually a lannister so i I don't really think it works i think the um but i think the part that does work with the theory of that people that have led people to thinking that maybe the tire prince is jerian is that there's quite a lot of like lannister lannister ness i guess is the right way about the tattered prince and um i think they picked up on that too but they they went for the missing character instead of Jamie, who he's actually most like. Um, like the same thing happened with uh, Pretty Maris and Brienne. When I wrote that theory before I published it on Reddit and made a video out of it, I actually looked elsewhere in the fan. I'm like, has anybody else thought of this? And it actually turned out to be, yes, other people had thought that Pretty Maris and Brienne were so similar, maybe the same person, but they always uh, dismissed it by saying, well, we know where Brienne is in A Feast for Crows for a Dance of Dragons, so it can't be her. But it can be her if it's a, a five-year gap, like alternate universe version of the character. The same for the Tattered Prince and Jamie, where it's not literally them. It's not the future of the characters as we know them in the current books, but it's like a rough draft version. So anyway. Whew. <laughs> A uh, long way of getting to that. No, I don't think Jerrion is Argarion is um is the tired prince i think the lannister hints about his character are for jamie it's just that not directly not like it's not supposed to literally be jamie but it's like it's not like jamie <laughs> instead of going into lady stoneheart's cave took a right turn and went to essos and now he's the tired prince yeah it's, it's just like it's a rough drafted version of him ah uh super chat here from uh Rister, richard seymour ten dollars thank you so much richard uh, this reminds me of Earth One versus Earth Two superheroes in Silver Age DC Comics, a callback uh, to the Golden Age comics. I know Gurn was a Marvel boy, but I mean, this happens in Marvel, too. There's like I forget how many universes there are in Marvel comics, but there's like infinite many of them. Every time someone writes a new um, wants to come up with a new idea within Marvel comics, they just make like a different universe version of them. Sometimes the universe collide and they meet each other. It's so well known in comics that it makes total sense to me that um that's kind of what george was doing like there was um 
I was reading about one recently where I forget the name of it. It's a DC comic where Batman got turned crazy by the Joker and became like a serial killer. And then eventually he interacts with other universe versions of Batman who are also evil. And then they come to the main universe and start like going crazy and killing people. It's, it's nuts, but that kind of stuff happens in comic books all the time. And George loves comics. <laughs> uh, I like Marvel better than DC, but I am not a big, particularly big fan of either. Um, if I remember right, my favorite, my favorite series were Thor and Dr. Strange, which matches up to my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, Ragnarok and Dr. Strange are my favorites. Oh, what are we at? It's 117 likes. Remember guys, slam that like button, get to 150. I'll put on my, um, on my, my wizard hat that's currently sitting on the floor, but I'll get it. I'll get it off the floor. Ah, uh, the Batman who laughs. Yeah, that's it. I was reading. Uh, I was reading about it. Marvel Universe six one six. Yeah, there's whatever. George does that stuff all the time, so makes sense to me. But yeah, not not Jerry and Lannister. And actually, somebody brought up um, Mini Snuggle. Reddit names are so strange. Like YouTube names, you guys are like they seem relatively normal. They're usually like your actual name or just like a, a weird little screen name. But then you get like Mini Snuggle and what is it? Labor Day, Illinois, and V Rainbow V Evil Monkey. Like I don't, I don't know what to do with these. Um, Mini Snuggle said uh, Ticket Lannister. I get Ticket, and that's um, another one of Tyrone's brothers. No, on that one, uh, Tig died from the pox, so cannot be the Tired Prince. Uh, thank you for slamming the like button. Um, but I do think, I do think it actually helps the theory that people keep looking at the Tired Prince and thinking he seems like a Lannister. I just think it's Jamie. Thank you for slamming the like button. I appreciate that. Um, another one here from Labor Day, Illinois. I always thought Tyre Prince might have been originally the aged up Quentin since the Martell style themselves as princes. I did this too. I did this when I was writing this theory. I talked about a lot of false starts. I went through and I found everyone that could be considered a prince in like some way. And just start going down the list. Like, could it be them? No, could it be them. No, could it be them. No. Um, my earliest one was actually young Griff. I thought it might've been like a future version of young Griff, uh, because he engages in disguising himself quite a lot as well, uh, with his blue hair. Um, I was kind of thinking about it, Like, what if he invaded Westeros failed and then went back to Essos instead of dying like other black fires or like the black fires have done. Like maybe he would start a, a cell sword company instead and his anger at Pentos might be because he found out or anger at, um, at Illyrio for leading him on and like this, the failure of his thing. It didn't end up working, but that was one of my early ones. Uh, Quentin was another one. There's a lot of Prince like characters I went through. Oh, Tyrek Lannister. Of course. Yeah. Instead of young Griff, what if it was, what if it was actually old, old, old Griff? He has the Valyrian features too. He's from Pentos. He has a connection to it. He has a reason to be angry at Pentos, maybe in the future, that kind of thing. But I ended up going with Jamie. I thought Jamie was the stronger case after I um, made different connections. Another one was a V Rainbow V on Reddit. Was it is the Tattered Prince Arthur Dane or Roderick the Wandering Wolf Stark? Arthur Dane is totally dead, guys. He's dead. He's in the ground. He did not make it out of the Tower of Joy. But I think this is sort of like emblematic of a thing that happens in the Song of Ice and Fire fandom quite a lot, where there's a character who's presented with this mysterious identity. And 
essentially what happens is so fans will take so there's this character it's like this happens with quaith too it happens with um with cold hands where it's like okay so character who's getting a lot of screen time mysterious backstory you don't know a lot about them and then they then they go and they compare it to the list of like all the characters who are missing or dead or who may be a um who may have actually not died in some way and then like plugging them in to see if it works um because I mean, obviously, John Connington is said to be dead in the story in canon. He shows up, so it's like, and um, I mean, there's the mystery about Jon Snow and all that other st- kind of stuff. So it's like, it's not wrong to do it. It's just like I love the way people do this. <laughs> it's like they run down the the list of like every minor character who might have been, and just tries to like plug them in. I do it too. I mean, everybody, if you're trying to solve a uh, a character who's wearing a mask or has a hidden identity, then yeah, that there's. Just like that list of characters you can go through. Oh yeah, good call. Lem Lemon Cloak and uh, Richard Lawnmouth is another popular one. Um, I, I think the Tire Prince is like not in this, not in the five year gap way, but I think like in universe he's just who he says he is. I think he's just the prince from Pentos who ran away and made a soul sword company um, because that that story makes sense for who he is. He he talks like a Pentoshi. He looks kind of Valyrian. He's been a sellsword for most of his life. Everyone knows the story about him. Um, he has this real hatred of Pentos, which would make sense because by making him prince, they essentially made him give up his life, which would have been a pretty awesome life at the time in order to run away, otherwise be killed at a young age. So it's like it all kind of it all lines up. It's just I do enjoy George doing that. It's like you put a mask on a character or you give him a weird name and the fandom's going to plug in literally everybody to try and find it. Uh, Dominic Bolton nailed it. That's totally tatters. He's Dominic Bolton. Uh, another dead character that's not dead. He's actually alive in Essos. <gasps> Gotta love it. Um, so let's see here. Uh, from Reddit, this was a wild 2098. Uh, they said, I wonder at what point Martin would have decided not to go these routes. With Brian and Sandor, we have clear turning points. Brian getting her, eat, her face eaten off. Sandor and his dying, quote unquote. This would allow Martin to make them show up elsewhere and be a different sort of gravedigger. We would have been explicitly told this was them, but had to figure it out. What would this have been with Jamie would have been the cutting off of his hand. So the thing with Sandor is, yes, it's this death at the end of a storm of swords. Well, quote unquote death. He actually shows up later. Um, Bran. I think Bran and Jamie's would have been linked. I sort of talked about it. At, yeah, I'm going to do um, patron questions at the end. So we've got about 20 minutes left. Don't worry. I saw that one. I'm going to get to it. Um, so I think Jamie and Brienne's turning point for when they were to become these characters would have been the same one. It's when Jamie gives Oathkeeper to Brienne and says, go find the Stark girls. And there's a part of Jamie that wants to go with her and decides not to. Um, I think that what George was imagining for Pretty Maris and um, the Tattered Prince for how they could have become these characters is like just basically if Jamie made a different decision, if instead of giving her oath keeper and saying, no, I have to stay here. I have to stay with Cersei. I have, I'm the King's guard. I can't, I can't break my oath. That kind of thing. What if Jamie just sort of said like, no, what if he said he would rather go off and be with Jane, be off and be with Brienne and, um, sort of live that life that he had when he was younger with him and Arthur Dane, <clears throat> Arthur Dane, when they went through, uh, Riverlands and it was more of an adventure rather than him standing around being a glorified bodyguard. There's definitely a part of him that wanted to go and did not. So I think 
But if going down that path, Jamie would have burned the rest of his life up. He, he would not be able to go back. Um, the crown would probably hunt him. You know, there's no, there's no turning back for Jamie if he goes with Brienne at that point. And at that point, he would have become like an exiled prince, a tattered prince kind of character. That's, that's my idea for it. Arthur Dane is next level dead. Let's see here. Yeah, a lot more, there are a lot more comments about... Um, I, don't, I don't know who wrote this Jerrion post, but it's well known. So um, that tip to them for getting quite a lot of people to, to believe in that one. They clearly made an impact in the fandom. Um, let's see here. I'll grab the one from, uh, <clears throat> from Patreon. Raiders of the Grey Way said, Members of the Windblown, the Golden Company, uh, chose their own names. In the Windblown, we have Sir Luce for Long, possibly House Long in the North, and Weber, maybe House Weber. The Golden Company, a lot of names have ex- have names of extinct or exiled houses, the Muds, the Peaks, the Strongs, the Toynes, the Lostons. I tend to think these men are telling the truth about their family names, or at the very least have bastard connections to them. What are your thoughts? Um, so I think this question gets brought up in the Mystery Night, and that is with um, Sir Quentin Ball. I think that's his name. No, Glendon Flowers. Glendon Flowers. Did I say Quentin? I meant Glendon. They sound kind of similar. Yeah, Glendon Flowers. So uh, otherwise known as the Knight of the Pussy Willows. Great name uh, because his origin story that his um, his mother told him is that Fireball, the um, the master at arms for the Blackfires, I think, and one of the important people in Damon uh, Blackfires camp came into the the brothel known as Pussy Willows and bought some time with Glendon's mother. And he's a bastard child of Glendon. Now, Glendon goes around telling people that he's totally, totally the, um, the son of Quentin Ball. But nobody really believes him. And it could very well be true. But there's no, there's no real way to know. Because, obviously, it's one of those things where when people are like a theory crafting or, or even in, the, in ancient times when people would try and look for like, oh, who's really someone's child or not. The problem is it's not 100% accurate that you will look like one parent or the other. Most of the time it's a mix. But like, for instance, I look a ton like my mom and not so much um, and my uncle and not so much like my dad, except from I have his eyes. And actually his smile and his eyes. And it's just kind of like that thing. So the fact that Glendon doesn't look like Quentin Ball doesn't mean that he's not. I mean, like it totally it totally could go either way. And it's probably the same thing for quite a lot of these sellsword members where, you know, one ancestor tells a story and then it gets passed down. It's like, oh, yeah, you totally go back to house mud. It's like, do we really? Well, who knows? And once you're in a sellsword company, um, who really who who would know anyway? I mean, it's not like um, it's not like there's any maesters with a lineage of house mud going to to today. They're supposedly dead. But this is also kind of another problem that you see with uh, patrilineal inheritance being the only thing that matters, because obviously there are matrilineal lines of families that exist that just sort of get ignored. Like, for instance, um, how strong died out in the Dance of the Dragons or before. No, during the Dance of the Dragons with the death of um, Lionel Breakbones and Lara Strong. And supposedly they're all dead, but Alice Rivers is alive. She's a house. She's as strong as much as any of them. She just doesn't have the name. And um, with the theory that um, me and Crowfoot's daughter or Disputed Lands have worked on and developed over time, it seems very likely that 
Uh, Dunk is a strong himself, and so is Brienne. But it's not through any way that someone could track. So are they actually who they say they are? Maybe. But it could it could be like Glendon Flowers. Like, is he a son of Quentin Ball? Could be. I mean, he sure thinks he is. And in a world without genetic testing, who's to tell him different? Although I would like it if the Strongs are still alive in the Golden Company. Those are very important if you're playing Crusader Kings and you're trying to get the strong bloodline from more bloodlines. Those characters being alive are like the only way to get them. Like I often invite them to court and have them marry somebody. So there's just a bunch of kids. Um, yes, absolutely. Isabel, the Strongs had lots of bastards. Um, Garth Greenhand's kids is quote unquote kids. Those are not all from one woman. Uh, the story goes that Garth Greenhand essentially just got with everybody and has had kids all over the place. So who knows? Well, that's one of the funny things that people talk about um, the Tyrells and they're like, oh, they're not they're not related to Garth Greenhand. Therefore, they're they're only stewards. It's like the amount of generations that have happened between Garth Greenhand and the current time and how much every house intermarries. There's no house in the reach that isn't like connected to each other. It's the same in the North where it's like the Starks are. Is if you go back and look at their history, there's never been a direct marriage between the Boltons and the Starks. But, you know, there's always second sons. There's always daughters. There's marriage between different houses. Over time, they would all become the same thing. So it's kind of like, who cares? As Crusader Kings, a game or just a mod? It's both. The game itself is Crusader Kings 2. And then there's the um, the Game of Thrones mod that you can install in it to play. Um, basically, any time in Westerosi history. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like uh, if you guys are from Europe, um, this is a thing that I've heard that basically only Americans do where we say like we're like 50 percent this nationality and 50 percent that nationality. And it's like none of it makes any sense because it like assumes at one point that it was like 100 percent pure ethnic or national national person who was part of your bloodline. It's like it's it's never that simple. Uh, But yes, to answer your question. I would guess that let me go back to the question. <laughs> so it's like how many of these cell swords that claim to be from famous houses are actually from the famous houses. I would guess that the vast majority of them believe they are from those famous houses, whether they are or not. I mean, that's kind of up to George and especially with um, some of them are more likely than others, like the peaks, like those are, those are probably pretty likely um, the toins. They, they, they got um, expelled from Westeros relatively recently so i would kind of believe those but you start looking at the older ones like the muds and the uh lostons though those are a little bit more precarious the strongs i would believe i would believe the strongs are real um let's see here house weber that one's that one's tough because there weren't a lot of webers to begin with and then uh rohane weber ended up marrying into the lannister so all of her kids became lannisters it's like the the longer back these houses are, the less I would believe them. The last time they were in Westeros, basically. Uh, Rinley's Peach says, would you please talk about what part the Windblown may play in the main story? If they're there, they have to play an important part in some way. Okay. Getting back to the, uh, getting back to the old Windblown. <laughs> okay, so what part are they going to play? Well, they already played quite a big part in the Miranese Knot itself with essentially acting for George, like dropping a bomb into the narrative where they're switching sides or attempting to and trying to hedge both ways. Like the whole plan for the, for the tired prince was he sent over all of his Westerosi to Danny to pretend to essentially like uh, switch sides. But the plan would be 
if they actually if the Danny side ended up winning, then they would have switched sides all the way. But if it went to go the other way, then the Westerosi inside Marine would betray Danny's faction to help out the slavers. Um, so they're they're kind of acting like agents of chaos within the whole Marine situation because they don't really want to be there for a long siege. They want to get paid and move on to the next thing without a fight. So what the Tyre Prince is trying to do is one way or another, he's trying to swing the battle so that somebody just obviously wins so they don't have to um, be a part of this long drawn out war. They want a decisive end and they want to get paid. So that's kind of where they're going. Um, even the releasing of the dragons one way or another, that would have ended the, the battle of fire before it started. So what are they going to do now? So when we're talking about the battle of fire and the winds of winter, um, spoilers for the winds of winter, uh, Waiter Westeros did a really great episode on this with uh, Brendan B. Fish years ago, trying to do like a reporter thing. It was really cool. Um, but essentially, the Ironborns show up. Barristan leads his troops out of Marine. They start attacking the slavers who are horribly unprepared for this. And essentially what's happening is the sellsword companies are watching the battle kind of not getting involved, trying to see which way it's going so that they can switch sides. And so I imagine the windblown or the second sons, but probably the windblown will be the first ones to jump, which will cause all the other sellswords to jump to Danny's side. And that will probably lead to her victory. They'll just turn on the slavers and, um, try to get paid by Marine instead. But as far as where they're going to go in the future, um, Tatters previously through Primaris made an offer to Daenerys that if, if, um, if she hires them away from the slavers, the tire Prince wants her to go essentially sack Pentos or give it to him on her way to Westeros. Um, so that's part of Danny's journey West a lot of people think she's going to stop in Volantis and absolutely fuck it up. Um, take out the slavers, take out the, 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 the volunteer masters behind the black wall. Pentos isn't really on the way, but if Danny learns about let's, let's, let's just say for some reason, she finds out that a uh, young Griff is being backed by Pentos and Varys, then she could have a very good reason to, uh, show up on Drogon and like burn one of the cities down or take out Illyrio's Mance or something like that and install the Tired Prince. Uh, he want the Tired Prince very much is going to make his loyalty contingent on Danny taking some time to go get her. So that would be my, my guess for what, what their role is going to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a good point. Do they have time to go to Pentos? Probably not. Um, but that's what the Tattered Prince wants and they, they probably still have a role to play. They're probably not done. I doubt they're going to get wiped out in the battle of fire, especially with how quick they are to switch sides. Although personally, I do really want to see them interact with their, um, <laughs> with their real selves, seeing uh Brienne meet pretty Maris, Jamie meeting the Tattered Prince. Um, I think that's one thing that's kind of underexplored with Danny's journey to Westeros is that. The Golden Company are are with Young Griff, obviously, and the rest of the Cellsword companies are going to realize this. And the Golden Company has quite a rivalry with the rest of <laughs> rest of the um, Cellsword companies, in particular because their whole thing is their word is good as gold. They never break a contract. They're sort of, and they're kind of the the favorites in any fight. I imagine you could convince at least some of the Cellswords that 
<laughs> if they got to kill the Golden Company, well, it would increase their profits quite a lot. And if you're if Danny has her dragons, well, maybe you think that's an easy fight to win. That kind of thing. Yeah, but they will not be loyal. They will only be loyal to who's going to pay him. And Tatters, he wants somebody that can sack Pentos for him. Danny's probably the only one left that can do it. Uh, let's see. Here. We got about uh, five, ten minutes left. You guys got any other questions about the videos that you want me to talk about? Throw them in the chat. I'm going to try and pull like maybe one or two more that I grabbed from YouTube and Twitter and um, Patreon and Reddit. Oh, this was a funny one. Someone said, I've been waiting for this three months. Ha, you've been waiting like five months. God, it took me a long time to make that video. It was a hard one. Some of them go fast. Some of them do not. Oh, there, there was something else about that rainbow cloak. Uh, Ghost and BK on Twitter said, um, the cloak reminded him of Saruman and his cloak of many colors. Uh, could that be a nod to him as well? Uh, it definitely could be. I, I was thinking about it in terms of like, so Saruman in the, in the Lord of the Rings books, he doesn't die during the two towers. Uh, he makes it to the end, but he's depowered and he essentially engages in what's called the scouring of the Shire where he and Wormtongue kind of industrialize the hobbits and enslave them and take over the Shire. And the end of the series is actually the Shire being freed from Saruman and, um, and Wormtongue. And I, th- I had a little fun thinking about it, like in terms of <laughs> is the tattered prince going to, well, he seems to want to scour Pentos, the scouring of Pentos. I thought that was an interesting connection. I don't know if it's true or not, but um, the colors of the cloak and just how destructive the tattered prince seems to be makes some sense to me. Good comment. Uh, let's see here. Yes, that's true, Sasha K. The company they have the biggest problem with is, is the um, Bloodbeard. I think that's the company of the cat. Uh, yeah, company of the cat with Bloodbeard. All right, so Raiders of the Grey Waste. Uh, so where's Bloodbeard's role in all of this? Him and Tatters have a long-standing rivalry. Um, so what's going to happen there? Knowing Tatters and the fact that he probably killed the other sellsword com- captains, um, they're they're probably going to try and jump sides first. And so yeah, the company of the cat. Who are they currently aligned with? I mean, the cat is under contract from Yunkai. So I imagine Tatters and the Windblown during all the Battle of Fire will probably try and find a way to make sure the company of the cat can't make it over or block them in some way or make sure they're the last ones on the side of the slavers. Um, it would be a it would be kind of it'd be kind of a tattered prince way to go about it. Make sure your enemies are on the wrong side of losing war. Um, also, Bloodbeard, I believe he killed Grolio, which did not help him out with Danny. Um, yeah, he brought the head of the captain Grolio to his dar. So Grolio is one of Danny's favorites. And I think she, he was the Lord Admiral for her. So it, it might not be that hard for the tired prince and the windblown to essentially be like, no, 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 you can't hire the cat. The cat. Remember they did the thing with Grolio. They're shitheads too. Don't let them through. So yeah, I'm going to guess the Tyre Prince finds a way to kill Bloodbeard and screw the company the cat during the um, the chaos of the Battle of Fire. Um, Lady Rosalie Lauren, who is the most unlikely suggestion you have seen for who Tatters is? Actually, so, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it in the comments. I lo- um, Username Slinky. They said Moon Boy. 
Sorry to ruin the surprise, Joe. I didn't see Moon Boy coming. That was that one came out of nowhere. Um, but some of the other ones, like uh, what was it, Roderick the Wandering Wolf Stark? That one came out of nowhere. I was I read that one and I clicked the links. And I was like, why? Why do you think this guy, who looks Valerian and speaks like a Pantashi and has been active in the um, in the Windblown since 270 AC, is a Stark? I don't know. That that one was pretty unlikely. Arthur Dane also made me laugh. I don't, at this point, it's almost like a meme to say somebody's Arthur Dane. <laughs> it's like, sure, I guess. I, I mean, I guess he could be if he's alive, but he's totally not. Moon Boy's a good one, though. That one, good joke. You got me. Sometimes when I read those comments, I'm like, Ugh, but that one, that one made me laugh. Uh, let's see here. Guys, got any uh, last second ones you want me to get to? Throw them in the chat. Oh, good call, Luminous Rain. I'm Barrison warning Danny not to deal with them good or bad. Yeah. Barrison gives pretty good advice despite being Barrison. Ooh, Kyle Wilson says thoughts on the new series. HBO says they want to do so Duncan egg and uh, Robert's rebellion. I feel like that's way too big a topic to do right now, but um, I was thinking about writing a blog post on my WordPress. Um, I think it's joemagician.wordpress.com talking about um, what happened and what I want to see out of Duncan egg. Cause I, I want to see the Duncan egg show. I don't care that it's coming from HBO and stories aren't done. I want to see Duncan egg, even if it's only the three, the three stories we have. Um, I thought that might be a fun thing to do, but definitely not something I can cover right now. <laughs> um, I'm excited about though. Although I have a lot of questions about what happened in terms of like why George is giving up those stories right now, because previously he had been holding them back. Um, there's quite a lot of blog posts on not a blog going back seven to 10 years where he essentially has been talking about how he's been in negotiations for selling the film rights to Duncan egg and Robert's rebellion to HBO. But essentially they, they could never come to terms on it, uh, whatever those terms were, but why would they do it now? Uh, Adam Whitehead or Wordhead, he has been talking about it on Twitter, um, and also on his blog, the word zone. If you don't know, Adam used to work for Gurm, though so he's a lot more plugged in than the rest of us in terms of um, the ins and outs of George's life and his interactions with his contracts and what he owns and what he doesn't own. So I'll go check out whatever he said. He's probably he's probably better than this random speculation the rest of us have. Um, interesting theory from Amanda. Uh, apparently, nobody can be Arthur Dane because Amanda's Arthur Dane. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, I hope Dunk fucks on TV. I mean, that's like, doesn't I think he does fuck or comes close to fucking in every story. I know that uh, John the Fiddler tried to climb that cast that thick castle wall. Oh no, he didn't in the first one. That's right. But he he wanted to with Tanzel too tall. Another missed one, unless he went down to Dorne and found her. Um, that's amazing, Amanda, that you're Arthur Dane. Wow. So what's what's Don made from? Like you have it. So what's the sword made from? And also what happened to the Tower of Joy? Could you just tell us, you know, just, just drop some, drop some knowledge on us so that, um, we just know Ned's fever dream is in no way like enough information. I don't think, I don't think Dunk missed with Roan Hayden Weber. I think he, uh, I think he went head on into that, uh, spider's web as it were. Uh, Dunk really does fuck. Well, we know he does later with all of his kids. Um, if not Gurm, who should direct the tales of Duncan Egg? Me and Bookshelf Stud. We'll do it. We'll write it. We'll direct it. We have very little 
film knowledge, but we'll make up for it with enthusiasm. Oh, cool. It's Weirwood and Nissa Nissa's soul cleared up, not meteor metal. It's just a Weirwood sword. There you go. Who would have thought today we found out exactly what Don is made out of? Um, let's see here. I don't think you can have, like, uh, actually, Learned Hands recently did a horny jail trial for uh, Rhaegar Targaryen. You wouldn't even need a trial for Dunk. He would get bonked immediately. Just go right to horny jail, jail Dunk. We know you. We know that's where you're going. Oh, yeah. Uh, good call about um, how it will be like the Mandalorian. Yeah, definitely. Uh, somebody made that comment in the mod slack and I laughed at it. I was like, yeah, they want to do Duncan egg because the Mandalorian's doing so well. So Duncan egg is the Mandalorian of uh, a song of ice and fire taters Prince. Yeah. Sasa, uh, maybe Mallory would do it. Maybe she'll draw the tater Prince. Boy, Amanda, you didn't say what happened to the tower of joy. How did you lose? How'd you lose to Ned and, um, the Cranog man? We got to know. We have to know. Uh, let's grab one more from, Actually, there was a really good comment that I pinned from the video from um, from Andrew K. I don't know if you saw. He wrote basically like an essay and then somebody asked him a question and then he wrote another essay in response. Apparently, Andrew K is very good at writing essays and YouTube comments. Um, so they wrote like three or four paragraphs. I just picked this one and they were talking about um, how they were surprised that it went to Jamie. It made total sense, but they thought I was going to go for um, Barris and Selmy. Uh, so they said, I definitely missed quite a bit of those clues and connections with the Tatter Prince and Jamie. Perhaps the rather at vast age difference always threw me off. Yep. Just like with Bruin and Pretty Maris, I tended to look at Tatters as a Barristan parallel. They sort of look alike, especially uh, Selmy as Arston and Whitebeard. Yeah, kind of. They both look like old men. In a few ways that are around the same age, I thought perhaps they were being angered at his Kingsguard dismissal and a lack of appreciation after so many years of loyal service, possibly tired of taking orders and serving at the whim of others. And becoming apathetic to the willpower above him. Wow, that's a long sentence, Andrew. Uh, could have skewed this way in an alternate arc, especially if he did not find the new purpose and direction he did linking up with Danny. That was all one sentence. Holy shit. Um, given Selmy having such acumen at combat experience and leadership in the battlefield, and later on in the King's Guard, I would think someone with those attributes and abilities who made different choices can end up in a similar role to Tatters. Um, yes, yeah, so there are quite a lot of. Uh, like King's Guardy soldier parallels between uh, the Tattered Prince and Barristan. I think the main problem with uh, the comparison between them is that the personalities are totally different. Um, that Barristan for his many, many flaws is pretty much a, like a straight and narrow guy. Um, he's much more like Ned Stark, like him and Ned are pretty similar characteristics. They really believe in their honor they have um, a very straightforward way of dealing with things. Part of the reason they have such problems with court politics is that they really are. Um, they, they feel it's a moral failing to engage in like um, politicking and manipulating people. Whereas Jamie and the Tyler Prince absolutely do not believe that they go to the total other way. Um, but I think Andrew's definitely right that there are a, a lot of similarities. Maybe you could almost view the Tyler Prince as like, Somewhere between Jamie and Barristan. Something like that. But I think that's a good comment. You tried to show off and how Reed gave you a wedgie, then you died of embarrassment. Oh, wow. That is not the way anyone thought the, ta the Tower of Joy went. But you heard it here first. Arthur Dane in the chat. Um, good question. For the Undertaker. Do they wear underwear? Is there anything to give a wedgie from in Westeros? 
a question I never thought I would ask. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that, but God help me, we're asking it. Because you give somebody a, a wedgie in Westeros. Um, yes, and <laughs> that was a very long sentence I had to read. Uh, so let's see here. So I think that's about it for today. Um, did not hit just nine shy of the wizard hat. Not enough people slam the like button. Damn shame. No, no free shirt being given out. We'll have to get it next week. Um, so yeah, what's coming up in the future? Um, next video is going to be about um, Lady Stoneheart and what she's going to do in the Winds of Winter. Um, if you guys watch the live stream with Michelle Jaworski, you may know part of what's going to be in there. Loincloth. Good God. Good God, Amanda. Um, <laughs> also, the patron only episode that'll be coming out with uh, talking about George's best short story or novella. Uh, and that is, of course, Sand Kings. If you haven't read it. It's a it's a pretty good horror story. Um, relatively short, like 15, 20 pages. So if you want to want to get ahead of the game, I would find a way to read that one. So it makes sense when I post it in in uh, in on a on Patreon. Wow. Really fucked that one up. Um, let's see here. As always, if you want to support me in your channel, uh, you can always go to Patreon at patreon.com slash Joe Magician, where you get access to uh, episodes early. You get behind the scenes stuff. You get outtakes. You get access to the patron slack, which is always a rip roaring time. Um, patron only episodes like the one that's coming out. And actually, I gave uh, all my current patrons as of Friday when the Threadless shop went live, I gave them a gift to get themselves free t-shirts. So I mean, I'm not going to be launching another store in the future, but I do, I do try to give some stuff back when I can. Um, actually let's go ahead. I'll just pop up the threadless store again. There we go. So that's, uh, Joe magician, There's free shipping on orders over $45 until, uh, January 31st Four designs currently up the, uh, retired spooky weirwood, the current magician, the magician hat. And of course, the ass waffle where I'm going to be making leggings <laughs> with one with a peach on one butt cheek and the waffle on the other. So get ready for that stuff. Um, and again, if you're a patron, I go check your messages because if you're at the $5 up and up level, or you've given more than $20 over the course of uh, your lifetime subscription to my Patreon, then there will be a free shirt waiting in your, um, in your inbox. So go ahead and grab those. So thank you guys very much. Uh, this was a little bit less me lecturing and much more hanging out, having a good time. Um, I don't know what else is going on right now. If there's anyone streaming, I don't think Radio Westeros is going on today, maybe next weekend. But um, they usually do every other week. But that's about it for me today. Um, thank you guys so much. Um, Remember to rate and review this if you're listening to this on podcasts. Um, slam the like button if you're on YouTube and leave a comment if you could for the very hungry uh, weirwood YouTube algorithm gods that um, very much rely on that kind of thing for, for recommending my videos. And of course, watch the Tattered Prince video, which came out very recently. The true identity of the Tattered Prince. Uh, so thanks very much. And I will see you guys next week.